Go ahead and turn your Bibles to the book of Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, hold your spot there, and uh, we're going to get there soon enough. And that's going to be the primary verse we're going to deal with. And then uh, once it's done, we're going to continue to, we're going to roll in some other passages of Scripture as well. So we can bring the music down if possible, that'd be good. And uh, I may be compelled to just bust out in a song, and that probably would not be good wouldn't be good for you. So Hebrews chapter 12 is where, uh, where we're going to be. So this is the third message in the series called Road Trip. Uh, two weeks ago, we kicked it off with a message titled Hit the Road. And uh, really kind of what we're doing in this series is we're looking at the parallels, and there are a lot of them, between taking an actual summer road trip, hitting the road, and uh, going off with your family or your friends or whoever may be the case. And uh, there are parallels between that kind of a road trip and, uh, and then our journey through life, and specifically even our journey with Jesus. And so there are a lot of parallels between that literal summer road trip and our journey through life as well. So that's what we've been looking at. So two weeks ago, Hit the Road is where we started. And uh, in the same way that a literal road trip starts off by backing out of that driveway, turning those wheels towards the highway, putting the pedal down and hitting the road, right? That's where there's a definitive starting point. It's the same in our relationships with God <clears throat> as well. There's a definitive starting point, and it's not when we get better, it's not when we do good enough, it's not when we join a church or any of those things, but rather the definitive starting point in our relationship with God, our journey with God, is when we lay down our sin and we give our lives to Jesus, we trust in Christ alone. That's the starting point. It's salvation, it's being saved, it's trusting Jesus. That is the starting point. And then last Sunday, we looked at uh, a message titled Travel Partners, and we uh, kind of expanded that when we're on this journey with God through a relationship with Jesus, once we make that decision, well, ultimately, we've got others that travel along with us as well. Uh, kind of two specific that we looked at last Sunday. One is that we travel through this journey with Christ with other believers. Now, they may be ones that are in, our, in the same church. It may be other believers like it, wherever you work or other family members who know Christ or just random other people, right? But we're traveling through this journey with Christ with other believers along the way. We're all kind of fellow travelers in that same direction. But then God also gives us another travel partner, and that's himself, the person of the Holy Spirit, that he takes residence in us. When we give our lives to Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes to live within us. We see that all through Scripture, the New Testament specifically, to the point to where we never, ever again say that I'm ever alone, right? We, always, we can always say that once we give our lives to Christ, God is always with me. That is the truth that we see in Scripture, which is a really, really good promise. Well, today we're going to add to that. We're going to look at the third message of the series. This message is titled, Baggage baggage. You can't take a trip without baggage, and that's what we're going to focus on this morning. So let me just ask a question. When you take a literal road trip, whether you're going to take a road trip later in the summer, you go into the mountains, or you're going to some other beach somewhere, or grandma's house, or wherever, when you travel, or, or even historically, would you say that you are an overpacker or that you are an underpacker? It's, a mad, it's funny, at the first service I asked this question, like, everybody's looking at each other. It's just kind of like, I'm an overpacker, right? Don't you think I'm an overpacker? You know, it's just kind of these internal conversations that are taking place. How many of you would say you were an overpacker? Let me just see your hands. The vast majority, this is the way it was at 9 o'clock as well, the vast majority, meaning, and I'm an overpacker. If you go away for four days, you're taking like 12 pairs of socks and 12 different shirts. You're going to come back with about probably eight of them are going to go right back in the drawer again. 
because that's just the way you do. Hey, here's the thing. The, those of us that are overpackers are really the smartest in the group because we're, we're, we're thinking about the unknown, right? We're thinking about what could happen. We're prepared. It's that inner Boy Scout in us. We're ready. Now, how many of you would say you are underpackers? Let me just see those hands. You're proud of it, right? After that comment I just made, you're proud to get that hand up, which means whether you go for a week or whether you go for a day, you take the same amount of clothes, right? Probably one or two of everything. That, that's just kind of the way it works. <laughs> and if it storms and rains, you're going to be in wet clothes for the rest of the trip. That's sort of the way, that's, that's the way that goes. So, you know, all of us are different. When we go on a road trip, we all pack differently. Now, when you make a trip, there are options. There are different varieties of things that you can travel with. For example, if you road trip later this summer, some of you are going to take this as your option of baggage. This is going to be it. Probably the guys in the crowd. This is it. This is a very stylish, this is the Home Shopping Network portion of the message. This is a very stylish um, black with silver Under Armour lettering. It comes with a convenient carrying case or... You can put it over your shoulder, all right? So this is one. So when you think about it, probably, ladies, how many of you, this is the way you pack for, let's just say, a week trip? How many of you? Any? None? That's what I thought. There, there, there's one or two, like, okay, maybe. <laughs> I don't want anybody else to see. Guys, how many of you, this is the luggage right here. That's what I'm talking about, right? You put everything in there. Here's what always happens. About three days into the trip, you're going off with everybody in your family or who's on the road trip with you saying, where's that blue shirt, right? Because you just threw it in there somewhere. It's under the shoes. It's under everything else that's in there. It's just all thrown in there somewhere. And some of it, you don't even see it again until you get back home because you can't find it. Now, that's one way of being able to pack your luggage. When I was a kid, I remember from my mom and dad, another way of packing baggage was this little baby right here, right? Now, how many of you remember having to carry these things for your mom and dad on your road trip. Any of you? Okay. I also remember when I was a kid, we had this thing called a train case. Any of you familiar with a train case? It was like one of these, but smaller. And they're not light. I mean, this kind of stuff, this is, this is heavy duty. You know what this actually is, literally? This is Adam's, right? And it's an accordion case. That's literally what this is. Now, there's no accordion in there, but uh, I don't know where he put it, but he let me borrow it. So this is another style of luggage, that hard shell. I mean, they, they weigh 20 pounds to start with, and by the time you get all the stuff in there, it's almost impossible to carry. And then probably for most of you, this is kind of what you think about when you think about baggage, right? It's this thing. And the only question I can ask is, where was this when I was a kid? right? I mean, this is the way to go. And when you're going through, you know, the airport or you're getting out of the trunk and you're going to check into the hotel, whatever, then you've got this little deal. It's got the handle. It's got the roller wheels. I mean, these did not exist when I was a little kid. And if you fly a lot, what you often see is you've got this and some other stuff that's packed on top of it as well. I mean, there's some people that are super efficient. I mean, they're just, they got like the kids and everybody packed on the top of this. They're just like going through, like, I'm trying to get to gate 12, you know, and like all like, hang on, Timmy. And they're just scrolling through, through the airport. Well, these are different styles of luggage, right? There was one when I was putting this together, this, uh, this, this message. I was, I was just curious. And so I went online and I was kind of looking around at different types of luggage. And this is one that I found. This is a backpack. This is not like any ordinary backpack. Let me just remember, this is made by a company called Solid Gray. 
and you can find it online. This backpack is aluminum. It is an aluminum shell backpack. Father's Day, right? This is the thing right here, and it's not too late, right? If you need to buy this for your dad, it's only $690, right? It weighs three pounds, and you can put all kind of stuff in there, and uh, so, so many different styles of luggage. Now, if you've, car- if you've traveled enough, you've learned a few little road trip tips as it relates to baggage uh, along the way. Number one is, if you fly, you don't take your good baggage, you take the junk, right? Because they're going to get back there in that, that, that Delta baggage or America or whatever it is you're flying. They're just going to be slinging your priceless little piece of luggage all over the place. It's going to get slung here and there. So you, some of you have learned, you know, you, you, you pack your, you know, your old luggage whenever you fly. And if you fly too, you like to put one of these little things on there that identifies it. Make it as ugly and as embarrassing as you possibly can. That way you know your luggage when it's on the carousel. A second little tip when you're road tripping as it relates to luggage is if you're carrying kids along with you, and especially if they're younger kids, check their bags before you leave the house, right? Because you don't want to get to the state park where there's no Walmart for the next week and open little Timmy's bags and there's 21 pounds of dum-dums and chocolate and no clothes, all right? So always check the kids' bags before you leave. And then there's a third really important thing as it relates to baggage. And the third, maybe the most important principle of all is to pack light. you got to pack light. Because when you travel on a road trip, You're going to be responsible for your own baggage. And so you want to be sure that you pack as lightly as you can. Remember, there are a lot of parallels between road trips to the mountains, to the beach, and this journey that we're on called life. And specifically, this journey that some of us are on in our relationship with God. And when you look at the parallels, there's a big one as it relates to baggage. And there's a principle that I want you to recognize before we even move any further and dig into Scripture. There's going to be a couple of them today. And this is the first one, that in our journey through life, we sometimes accumulate baggage along the way. Probably every single one of us in here have had experience with this to where Without really realizing it, we look back and we see, you know what, kind of along the way somewhere, maybe it was back in high school, Maybe it was those college years, maybe it was um, a, a certain relationship we had, or maybe it was just along the way generally in life. You kind of look back and you realize, you know what, I've picked up some baggage along the way. What am I talking about when I talk about baggage? Take a look at this definition. Uh, wh- what I'm talking about specifically is that baggage is anything from the past, not the present, not the future, anything from the past that has been left unresolved. It hasn't been tied up with a bow on top and addressed and dealt with completely. Anything from the past that has been left unresolved, which yields negative results, not positive, negative results in the present. Now, we're not even talking about the future, but we all know that according to trends, if you're heading one direction and there's nothing that takes place to alter that direction, then obviously the future you're going to end up in the same direction just a little further down the road. We're not talking about the future. We're talking about the present. And when it relates to baggage, baggage is anything that we ultimately have experienced from the past that has been left unresolved that has negative results in the present, in the here and now. Not so much talking about this literal physical baggage on a physical road trip, but talking specifically about a different type of baggage as we journey through life. One example, for example, for example, may be unforgiveness. 
Maybe you've experienced something in your life in the past. Maybe it was from a parent or a family member or a friend or a coworker or a boss or someone in authority or just somebody just random that you crossed paths with. And maybe there was something that they said or something they did that hurt you and it hurt you deeply. And it was very difficult and still is today for you to get over it. And what has happened is since that event took place, somewhere between then and now, you've packed this baggage called unforgiveness. And ever since that time, you've been dragging that baggage kind of through the present as you move through the rest of your journey, both with God and also your journey through life. Another type of baggage is bitterness, right? Again, maybe, maybe for some it's an experience from the past that not only does it result in unforgiveness, but it, it's like that person traveling through the airport with this bag, that's unforgiveness, and then attached to it on top is also bitterness, Right? And it's a bag that maybe got packed some years ago, maybe it was recently, but you still haven't resolved it, you haven't moved on from it, and you're still lugging that baggage around in the present still even today. And you may be a dad, you may be a mom, you may be a child, you may be a CEO, you may be something else, but you're still dragging that bag as you move forward in your life. Sometimes baggage is a bag called guilt. Maybe it was an event, maybe it was a weekend, maybe it was a season of life where you kind of went over the top rail, ran off into the, into the deep woods and kind of lived life on your own terms and your own way, really no boundaries, and, and you did everything you could to kind of push God out of your mind and out of your heart. Maybe he wasn't even a part of the picture back then, but you just sort of cleared that top rail and made some decisions that, that still today now you look back and there's this guilt, there's this shame, there's this what was I thinking, there was this I can't quite let it go, and, and you're still dragging that guilt through the rest of your life. I heard somebody say years ago in this church, he's no longer here, but I heard him say that, that often it's between the ages of 18 to 24 that some of the most significant baggage gets packed in our lives. And I don't, I don't think I can disagree with that. And maybe for you, it's a decision that was made. Again, maybe it was a weekend or it was a time away or whatever, but there's this bag that you've been dragging around called guilt that you just can't seem to put away. It's still unresolved. Maybe there are some trust issues in your life. Maybe you're one of those that for whatever reason, you, have, you find it very difficult to trust someone. You find it very difficult to kind of put your heart out there. You find it very difficult to love unconditionally for whatever reason, right? Not trying to be junior psychologist, but there's just something that's attached to that. It's been very difficult for you to move forward. Or, I mean, here it is, Father's Day as well. Maybe for some of you, Father's Day is really difficult. Maybe you didn't have a dad that you think of fondly and you think of how he impacted your life. Maybe for some of you, this is a really difficult day. And it's not just because your dad is no longer here, maybe he's in heaven as mine is, but maybe for some of you, when you think about Father's Day, it's a very difficult day because you're still packing or carrying baggage, right, that is related to some of the experiences that you had with your dad that have been unresolved. Maybe your dad was absent physically or emotionally, or maybe, maybe he, he left you high and dry or, or whatever, right? But, but there, there's just this baggage that you've been carrying through other relationships or through other, other parts of your life that even still today, you're still dragging that same baggage around, and it has been left unresolved. Unresolved to the point to where there is now a negative impact in your life still today. You know, there's a passage of Scripture that I want us to focus on today in Hebrews chapter 12 that's not speaking specifically about the topic of baggage, but I think when we see what this passage meant originally, what we'll find is it really speaks loudly into the topic we're looking at this morning. For those maybe even here, 
who have some unresolved issues from the past. You don't need to go see a counselor. You, don't need, you already know what they are, right? But you're just getting a little bit tired of still dragging that baggage through all of your relationships and all of your experiences all the way up to today. I think Hebrews 12 speaks to that. And I think it speaks to it very, very loudly. So here's the context of Hebrews, the whole book in general. We don't know the human author of Hebrews. Most every other book of Scripture we know. But we don't know who the human author is of Hebrews. But what we do know is that God wrote it through whoever, whichever human author he chose to use. So it's inspired. It's without error. We can bank on it, just like the other 65 books of the Bible. And what we find here in Hebrews is that the writer is writing to a very specific group of people in a very specific circumstance. He's writing to Christians who have a Jewish heritage. And so the writer is writing to these, to these followers of Jesus who have a Jewish background, a Jewish heritage. And the reason he writes this letter is because these Jews in this context who are followers of Jesus, they're Christians like many of us in this room are, they're beginning to have some second thoughts, not so much about Jesus, but about possibly going back to the old life of Judaism. Uh, almost to the point to where it's like, you know what, maybe we just need to quit doing what we've been doing as following Christ and just go back to the old way where we followed the law. We found our identity in the law. Not to say that obedience is unimportant because it's not. It's very important. Uh, but, but this group of people that would read this book called Hebrews were Christians of a Jewish heritage that were thinking about turning away from their Christianity and going back to the old life of Judaism where Jesus was not a part. And so the author of Hebrews writes this book, and it's phenomenal because he speaks to that example. He speaks to people who are looking to turn away from where they are and to go back to where they once were, where the picture was incomplete. And the whole theme of Hebrews can be summarized in three words. Jesus is better. And when you read through Hebrews, that's what you see. It's told over and over and over. He's better than, than Moses. He's better than the angels. Jesus is just better. I mean, he, he is the Messiah. He is God. He is the Savior, and there's no one else like him, right? And the whole book speaks to that. Well, when we get to Hebrews chapter 12, what we find here is this analogy that, that the writer gives to us that just brings the, the point that he's making uh, into, into perfect light. It, it, it becomes so clear here. Now, I just want to give a little bit of an explanation real quickly. This whole series we're talking about, Road Trip, we're talking about our journey through Christ. We're, we're about to kind of do, what's this, a mixed metaphor maybe, sort of, in a way. Um, he, he's he's going to talk about not so much a journey, he's going to talk about a race. But I think you'll, you're, you're sharp enough, right, to apply the two together. Let's just kind of mash them together. We're all on this journey through life. Many of us are on this journey with Jesus, hopefully everyone, but we're also in a race at the same time. That's the analogy that's going to be used here. So let's jump in. Let's read chapter 12 in the book of Hebrews. We're going to begin in verse 1. We're going to read down through verse 3 and start to put some things together. So he writes and he says, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy <clears throat> set before him endured the cross. Despising the shame, he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary 
and lose heart. So in verse 1 here, he makes an interesting comment, one that, that people look at differently. He, and he, he makes mention, he says, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us. So this is somewhat inconsequential to what we're looking at, but let me just, let me just pause here and make, make some comment real quickly. So a lot of people think this is evidence that those who have passed away, who were believers, who were Christians, who are now in heaven, that they're able to see everything we're doing while we're on earth. Right? Maybe you've heard a country song about that. Maybe you've read a, a song of hymn about it. Uh, you know, regardless, maybe that's your particular belief. It doesn't really definitively say that. But there, there are a lot of folks who believe that whoever's in heaven today can kind of like look over and see what we're doing, whether it's uh, you know, a, a mom or a dad or a, a sibling or whoever that's passed away. Uh, but the thing is, this verse doesn't say definitively that's what's taking place. But what I think this verse is saying, and honestly, I don't know. I mean, we'll find out, I guess, when we get there if we can see what's going on on earth. I have a feeling that once we're there, we're not really going to have the same level of concern about life on this earth once we taste a little bit of that. But what I think this verse is referring to when it says, since we've so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, I think it's tied to chapter 11. Because chapter 11 is listing what we would call the heroes of the faith, like many of the people from the Old Testament who had walked with God and who had done it the right way. And I think what chapter 12, verse 1 is is saying, at the end of chapter 11, he's saying, therefore, because of all these people who did it the right way, they've walked with Jesus, and now they're in heaven. Therefore, since we have all of them, and it's kind of like since that's our legacy, and since we have all these people who've made this journey and they've arrived at the destination, all of these people have run the race and they've crossed the finish line. Therefore, he gives five things for us to do. All of them, which I think apply really well in dealing with the baggage that we have a tendency to accumulate as we journey through life. The first thing he says, and the first three of them actually are in verse 1. The first thing that that he says to do in verse 1 is to lay aside every encumbrance. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance. Encumbrance. Now, the, the picture here, again, is a race. When you imagine this race, this journey, don't have in your mind that it's a sprint because life is not a sprint and our walk with God on this earth is not a sprint either. Think marathon, okay? So we're not talking about a runner getting in the blocks for the 100, 200, 400 meters. We're talking about a fella or a lady stepping up to toe the line, waiting for the gun to run 26.2. It's this journey. It's this race through life. It's this race for us as Christians in our relationship with God. And in the same way that a runner doesn't toe the line with unnecessary clothing or things on their body, they take those off, they lay them aside, we often have to do the same thing as well. You're not going to watch the next Olympics that come along, the next summer games, and there be a, a marathon runner from any country step up and have a headset on or a baseball cap or his you know, regular everyday shoes you know, or a rain jacket or warm-ups. They're, they're not going to have those things. Those things are going to be stripped away. They're going to be laid aside. Why? Because they're in the race of their life. It's the biggest race that they've ever run on a track or, 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 or in a field at that point. And so they're going to lay aside the things that are in encumbrance. Here's how, how this relates, I think, to the baggage that we sometimes accumulate when we walk through life. Some of the baggage, a lot of it, we didn't do anything to ask for it, right? It was a parent who said something. It was another person who did something 
It was someone who let us down. It was a difficult experience. And then as a result of that, we find ourselves uh, um, maybe becoming bitter or, or we're unforgiving or, or we're, um, uh, we're having a hard time trusting other people, right? We're dragging this baggage through our lives. Sometimes, many times we didn't do anything to ask for it. There, there wasn't a sin involved. We didn't like sin and ask for that particular set of baggage to carry through the, you know, the next few years in our lives until it was resolved. It's an encumbrance, right? We didn't ask for. And a lot of times we don't even know we have it until we're ready to race, until we're ready to run. And we start, we start gaining some speed, and then the reminder of what happened back then slows us back down again, steals our joy, and it pulls us back down. You know, why would God want to use me? After all, I'm just damaged goods. Why would God want to do anything with me? After all, I'm just fill in the blank. And what we find is, is that baggage is okay to carry for the first little bit, but after, after some time passes, that baggage gets heavier and heavier and heavier. And, and I think when we overlay this passage over the issue of baggage in our lives, the first thing it says is to lay aside every encumbrance. Easier said than done, especially if your baggage was packed because of a horrific experience. But he says the response is to lay it aside. Cannot carry it forever. It will continue to slow you down, to weigh you down, and to steal your joy. He then goes on to something else to lay aside. Not every encumbrance that isn't necessarily sin in and of itself, but the second thing he says to also lay aside the sin which so easily entangles us. Sometimes the baggage that we experience was not sinful in and of itself. It was another person who sinned, right? We got the baggage. What a great deal. But other times the baggage was packed because, because we did the sinning, Right? baggage called addiction, for example, was packed after doing something that was outside of what God would have desired for you because he had something better. And the baggage that gets packed continues to follow day after day after day. And even in addition to that, sometimes it's the events that have happened to us that we didn't ask for, we didn't sin. It's not like we brought it to ourselves. Someone else did a wrong. We suffered the, 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 uh, the heartache. We packed the baggage as a result of it. It got packed for us. But if it goes unresolved, what can happen is sometimes that can turn into sin. Uh, let me just use an example. Uh, let's just say somebody, somebody hurts you deeply, right? Maybe they abandoned you. They let you down. They, didn't, uh, you know, they said something. They did something that hurt you. And then bitterness begins to fester on the inside, right? The old saying, if you don't deal with the root of bitterness today, prepare to eat the fruit of bitterness tomorrow, right? Somebody did something wrong to you. They hurt you. Bitterness gets packed into your life. You're carrying that baggage. What happens is that wasn't sin in and of itself. You, you didn't ask for it. But what happens is you carry that, that baggage. Let's change the analogy again. Let's imagine that it's a filled up five-gallon bucket, right, filled up with liquid bitterness. And every time you bump into someone, one of the kids sets you off, someone else, your spouse sets you off, a coworker sets you off, that, that bitterness that's been in you that you didn't ask for sloshes over onto someone else. And you find yourself saying the angry words. You find yourself lashing out in anger. 
Sometimes baggage leads to sin in our own lives if we don't handle it properly. And what does the writer of Hebrews say here as it relates to that sin? He says to lay aside the sin, and it's an interesting word picture, lay aside the sin that so easily entangles us. You know, maybe it was an issue with your dad. You packed some baggage, and now you find yourself repeating those same things to your kids. Maybe you had a parent who was a perfectionist, and they set the pattern, they set the bar so high, you always felt like as a kid, I can never measure up. I can never meet my parents' standard. I can never meet that standard my dad expects of me or my mom expects of me. I'm not talking about the healthy stuff. I'm just unhealthy, like just perfection, like 99.9% is not good enough. Right? You couldn't help that. And it may have created insecurity in you. You may, you may have really struggled. You may have carried some baggage because of that. Where the sin comes in then is when you have kids and you set that same bar for your kids, right? What the writer of Hebrews says is regardless of whether it's that which can, can slow us down or whether it's that which can trip us up, the same result comes. He says to lay it aside. Now, now look at some other passages of Scripture that tell us some things to lay aside. Romans chapter 13, you can just follow with me on the screen behind me if you want. Romans chapter 13, verse 12, it says, the night is almost gone and the day is near. Therefore, let us lay aside, there's that phrase, lay aside the deeds of darkness. That, that, that would be reference to sin. Lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Paul would write in Colossians chapter 3, Verse 8, he says, but now you also put them all aside, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from your mouth. And then you go on to the book of James. James writes in chapter 1, verse 21, he says, therefore, putting aside, there's that, that picture, laid aside, all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness in humility, receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. And so w- what we find there is in the baggage that comes in our lives, it's unresolved. It has, it has implications that are negative in today, right? Hebrews 12 would tell us we have to find the right way to lay that aside. We can't keep dragging the past negatively into the present and expect that anything's going to be different. It will steal your joy. It will steal your, your, um, your sense of peace and fulfillment, and it will impact others negatively as a result. So how do we do that? Well, there's a third thing the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 12, and again, we find this in verse 1. He says, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Now let me just ask this question. When you take a literal road trip, you're going to the mountains, you're going to the beach, you're going to Dollywood, you're going to somewhere else, and it's time to pack. How many of you, you start your packing at least three days before the trip takes place? I'm just curious. How many of you, that's the case. How many of you pack somewhere within the day, maybe one day before, at least one day before? Let me see your hands. How many of you, it's the day of? Let me see your hands. How many of you, it's like 15 minutes before the car cranks up? Let me see your hands. Okay. Literally, physically, road trip, we can pack our bags quickly if we have to. Some of you military, right, you can pack those bags, nobody's business, and you go to a whole other country for months at a time, right, because you've learned to pack that bag quickly. Most of the baggage that we carry that is not on a physical road trip, it happened over a lengthy period of time. And it didn't get packed quickly. And listen, I want you to follow me on this. It doesn't always get unpacked as quickly 
either. Now, for some, the moment they meet Jesus, the past is resolved, and they're able to move forward in total peace and grace, and that is a wonderful blessing. But for some, again, it's a marathon, not a sprint. For some, it takes time to undo the baggage that's been packed. We have to grow in our faith. We have to mature in our faith. We have to learn the truth of God's word and how that intersects with some of the baggage that we carry. We have to learn how to appropriate God's grace in our lives, see ourselves the way he does, not the way someone else may have seen us. It takes a season at times to do that. We run with endurance. No marathon runner running for the gold medal hits mile three and says, you know what, I started out too slow. They're way ahead of me. I think I'm just going to drop out. They don't do that. No marathon runner hits mile 14 just past the halfway mark and says, you know what, this is a little harder than I thought it was going to be. I've been training where it was flat. This course has hills. I've been training where it's cooler. This, th- th- this course is blazing hot. You know what, I, I made it halfway. I'm just going to quit because the going's too hard. They don't do that. And they don't hit mile 20, that wall. They don't hit mile 23, mile 24, and begin thinking, you know what, I've never hurt this bad. I'm just going to throw in the towel. I mean, after all, 24 out of 26.2, that's pretty good, right? I'm going to go home with my head held high. I'm just going to quit where I am and call it a victory, a personal, moral victory, even if I don't cross the finish line. They don't do that. What they do is they run with endurance. And when we come to the place in our lives as believers, yes, the moment we're saved, God floods us with grace, and the past is is, is wiped clean and everything comes under Romans 8, Romans 8 28, that, that, that God is able to work all things for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Yes, those things are true the moment we give our lives to Jesus, but sometimes we have to learn how to put the old baggage down. That's why the New Testament often, Paul, one of his, one of his phrases that he used in more than one letter is to put off the old life and to put on the new life. Quit picking up your old baggage, he's saying. Quit, quit living like who you used to be. Drop that baggage, put it down, and put on, take on the new bags. Right, you're a new person in Christ. Run with endurance. Then you get to verse 2, a fourth thing that he points out here. He said, how do we do this? How do we run with endurance? Verse 2, fixing our eyes on Jesus. And then he describes him. He's the author and the perfecter of faith. He's the one who, who brought you, reconciled you to begin with. He's the one who ultimately, it, it's God's plan to start with of how you'd be reconciled, how we would be reconciled, though we're sinful and God is holy. It was his plan to start with. He's the author of salvation. He's the one that, that, that dictated how sinful man can be right with holy God so significantly that we become part of his own family. He's the author of all of that. He's the perfecter of our faith. Philippians 1, verse 6, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus, right? He's the perfecter of your faith. He's the one maturing you. He's the one producing fruit in your life, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and all the others as well. This is is his deal, right? It's him living his life through you. And so what the writer says is, if you want to run this race to win, if you want to ultimately finish the journey and finish well, finish strong in a way that glorifies him, and I think in the context of this message, if you want to leave the baggage behind, then you got to just run, and you can't give up, and you can't quit, even when the enemy is loud in your ear, and the way you stay in the race, and the way you stay on the journey is to keep your eyes fixed on your Savior, because it's only him who died for you, it's only him who rose for you, it's only him 
who saved you and who completed you and who redeemed you and paid for all that junk in the first place, and it's only him who's coming back for you. He is the only one that fills the role of Lord and Savior. So do not take your eyes off of him. Right? That's the picture here. Which leads to another principle, by the way, a very solid principle that we see in Scripture, that you are not defined by the baggage you've carried. It doesn't matter how long you've carried it. It doesn't matter what, your, what, what, what that person did who hurt you. It doesn't matter what you experienced. It doesn't matter how hard uh, it's been to, to forgive. Whatever baggage you've carried, you're not defined by that. You're defined by the Savior who saved you, period. And that's why Paul says so often, leave the old life, put on the new one. And then there's a, a final thing that he points out here, a fifth thing that helps us to dump the baggage. Verse 3, he says, For consider him, Jesus. Consider him, who, by the way, had every right had he chosen to carry a lot of baggage of unforgiveness, bitterness, and anger, and resentment, but he didn't. Consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself so that you will not grow weary and lose heart, so that you will finish the race, head held high, so that you will finish the journey more molded in the image of Jesus. Consider him. Letting God's truth and not your past ultimately shape your life, right? Confessing sin where we need to, turning from it so it doesn't create more baggage. And creating new patterns of letting go so that we can move forward into who God wants us to be. You know, maybe for some, Maybe for some, there's some real honest conversations that need to be had with God. Conversations that say, God, you know my hurt, you know my pain. You know what I've carried for a long time. But today, the best I can, I leave it behind. Help me never to take it up again. And where forgiveness is due, help me to forgive. Where bitterness has taken root, replace it with your peace and joy. And help me to move on in your way with you through Jesus. Because life is a journey. And our walks with God are a journey as well. A few years ago, I was coming back from Cuba with our mission team. I've been there numerous times. And it's always an amazing trip when we get to go there and serve with the little church we work with, Jellibert Baptist Church. When you're there, you work hard, the setting is different, you're kind of ready to get home by the end of the week. And for this particular trip, I forget how many trips ago it was, but for this particular one, we got back a little bit later than the norm. I don't remember why, but I think we flew from Havana to Atlanta, and then Atlanta to Savannah. It's like an Anna thing going, Havana, Atlanta, Savannah. And I remember we, we, we got our bags when you fly in internationally. You land in Atlanta. Well, you have to get your bags again and sort of go back and recheck them in when you move from international to domestic. And so I got my bag. It was a, it was a black suitcase, kind of old, you know, one that I would usually travel with. 
I noticed it had this big old dent in it. You know, apparently the Professional Bowlers Association had a pack of bowling balls or something. I don't know what it was. Something landed on it, put this big old dent in the hard shell siding of it. And, and I told one of the agents, they said, well, when you get to your final destination, just let them know. And so we boarded, the bag went on the plane, flew the last leg from Atlanta, wherever, to Savannah. It was a little bit later at night. Everything kind of felt shut down. And I remember getting off the plane, I go to the carousel, and sure enough, here comes my bag around again. And uh, still got the dent, by the way, nobody fixed it. And, uh, and so I get it, and I was just curious. I, you know, I had opened it up, and, and it, was, it was a big old dent going into the inside of the bag. It was kind of pushing into stuff. And so I got it off the carousel, and I went, and I thought, you know, there's probably not going to be anybody here because it was a little bit later. And sure enough, there was a lady there kind of in behind the glass office there near the baggage carousel. And I went over to her, and um, I showed her the bag, and I said, this got damaged between Havana and Atlanta. They said to see you when I get to my final destination. Savannah's that destination, and uh, here I am. And she walked me back in a room. <laughs> Billy, you might remember this. And in that room, there, there was a variety of suitcases. And she said, pick one. And that's how I got this baby. <laughs> I've been using it ever since. You know, it was interesting because she told me, I said, what do I do with this old one? She said, oh, you can keep that one. So I got two bags. So I kept the old one and I got the new one. But you know what? For the purposes of this message, it would have been a whole lot better had she just said, oh, you don't need to carry that old thing around anymore. We'll take that off your hands once and for all. Enjoy the new bag for free. It's what God offers you. The baggage that we carry. Maybe we had a little something to do with it. God, I wish I never would have done that. Or maybe it's somebody... And we were just sort of innocent. Next thing we know, we're dragging stuff through our lives because of them. Hey, listen, we can carry that unforgiveness and that bitterness and that anger and that resentment and that insecurity, and we can carry all those issues if we want. Or we can, we can resolve them once and for all and say, God, it's just yours. And I trust you, my good, good Father. And I leave these behind to finish the race and to continue the journey with you. Let's pray. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Maybe for some of you, the conversation with God that I mentioned, maybe that's, maybe that's what you need, and you can start that conversation even now with the Lord. You know, He's a God who knows your heart, He knows your hurt, and He knows the grace that you need, and only He has it. And He's a God who loves you so much. He wants to pour his grace into those cracks of your life. He wants to pour his grace into those hurts that have been there. And he wants to, to just remind you that through Jesus, the sin is gone. It's been paid for. It's been forgiven. The slate has been wiped clean. And even though we can't go back and undo anything from the past, it can be resolved. And let me just remind you that God is really, really good at resolving things and restoring things that are placed under his care. And so maybe today you can just say, Lord, I've carried the bag long enough, and today I'll put it down, and I pick up your bag. Forgiveness, and grace, and peace, because, Lord, you're enough. And if you've never given your life to Jesus, and if you don't know God that way, but you're ready to, 
then the whole reason Jesus died and rose is so that people like you and me can come to him with all of our sin and confess it and say, Jesus, would you forgive this and just take over from this point on? And the reason he can take over is because he's God and he died for that sin and he paid for it and he rose. And right where you sit, if you never have, if you want a relationship with God, the only way the journey starts is when you do that and say, Lord Jesus, forgive me and save me, and he'll do it. God, we thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you that when the enemy spouts his lies, that you counter with truth. Thank you that when we look to the past, God, you remind us, if we're willing to listen and to see, that your grace is enough to cover the past, that you can truly work all things out for good for those who love you and are called according to your purpose. And God, thank you that even though the journey gets bumpy at times, and even though we sometimes want to pick up those old bags, thank you, God, that we don't have to. And Lord, help us not to because you are enough. And as Hebrews says, Jesus, because you are better. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.